Hey, how you doing? This is Wade with Wade for Wireless. And welcome back for another episode of Wade for Wireless with all your wireless updates, news, and information. Just sit back and relax. Today, let's talk about the CBRS and the shift in spectrum ownership. So that's what I titled the blog because I think CBRS, which stands for Citizens Broadband Radio Service here in the U.S., here in the States. And what it basically is, is what we call the 3.5 gig band, 3.5 gigahertz. And it spans from 3,550 megahertz to 3,700 megahertz. Okay, and here in the U.S., we're close to having the spectrum released. It's very exciting. And the reason I bring it up, it's it's exciting because it's something new. It's going to be lower power. It's going to be something that you can lightly license. Now, don't get me wrong. The FCC found a way to make money off of it. So they are going to sell longer licenses and some of the spectrum to the carriers. Of course, the carriers. The carriers rule the world, don't they? They seem to own all the spectrum. The little guy doesn't have a shot, even though they say they do. And that's why I admire CCA for their struggle. But I digress. Let's get back here about how CBRS is really going to be a key to 5G. And the great thing is we can all be players in this. Now, CBRS, for those of you that live in the States, it's pretty cool. They called it CB, Citizens Band. Remember CB radios or in every truck, they're still out there. You know, Breaker 1-9, Breaker 1-9. 23 channels and 40 channels. That was exciting stuff because it was license free. The truckers could talk to each other. The cars could talk to each other. You could get traffic updates in real time. It was really a community based on a geographical area that people could talk to each other in real time and give updates in real time, mostly about where the police are in the highway, (laughs) you know, where the speed traps are. And I bring it up because... It was a social network. I know we all look at Facebook and online networks now, and they're incredible. You know, I mean, I can I can update I can update my my Facebook post, and someone from India can ask me for a job, which happens quite often. I love all my Indian friends. Thank you for listening. Thank you for responding. But you know, not I'm not <laughs> I'm hiring a thousand people here. It's me, Wade for Wireless. It's me, Techfecta. You know, I got so one man company with some part time help. All right. Again, I digress. I I apologize. Let me start first by saying I do want to thank my sponsors here. I want to thank Tower Tracker Pro. Tower Tracker Pro for all your closeout package needs for all you tower climbers that go out and do closeout packages at towers. Because what it does, it's a software as a service that will walk you through the closeout package step by step by step. When I say you, I mean the climber to tower, the guy going through everything that has to take the pictures of each sector, alpha, beta, and omega. So you're taking pictures of all these sectors. You need to be sure you take the pictures the right way. And you also need to be sure you document the data, the data that the customer asked for in the proper order, or at least it's easier in the proper order. And the reason I bring all that up is because this will walk you through it. You can upload it from your smartphone while you're still at the site. And voila, right away, someone back at the office can look at it that quick. I know it takes a while to upload, but you know, a few minutes, but that gives you a little time at the tower site to start cleaning up. 
And then if you missed anything or if something's not right or if a picture didn't turn out the way it was supposed to, you can still finish it while you're there. So TowerTrackerPro.com, TowerTrackerPro.com, all one word. Type it in, TowerTrackerPro.com, check it out. Get your closeout packages done right the first time in one site visit. I also want to thank Tower Safety and Instruction, TSI, Tower Safety and Instruction. It's a tower safety school out in, I, I want to say Phoenix, Arizona. Technically, I don't know if it's really Phoenix, but out in Phoenix, Arizona, they are a state accredited school in Arizona, and they have a lot of different training. Obviously, tower safety, tower climbing, first aid, CPR, things like that, things that you need, you know, that uh, you need to be qualified to be a tower climber, but they also have drone training for tower work, which is quite cool because the rules changed recently. And the other really, really cool thing that she has she being Kathy, Kathy Brand, the owner of uh, Tower Safety and Instruction, which you can get on their website at towersafety.com, towersafety.com, all one word. And they also now have online training, which is how they have some of their drone training. And some of my books are there too, just being honest with you. And it's at telltechcollege.com, telltech, T-E-L-T-E-C-H hyphen, college c-o-l-l-e-g-e dot com t-e-l-t-e-c-h hyphen c-o-l-l-e-g-e dot com teltech hyphen college dot com and they have a lot of courses on there you can sign up and you know whatever you want is on there for well not whatever you want but there's quite a bit on there for tower safety tower instruction drone training and quite a few of my books all right towersafety.com for their main website so let's talk CBRS and the spectrum that's going to be out there that's going to open the floodgates for the rest of us. I don't know if you guys remember, um, there were some old Seinfeld episodes. They had one that had Festivus for the rest of us because George's family, if you ever watched, there's Jerry, there's George, there's Julia. And they, they, they uh, George's family didn't want to celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah, so they created their own <laughs> their own holiday called Festivus. Festivus for the rest of us. That's sort of what CBRS is. That's for the rest of us. <laughs> That's for all of us out there. Now, granted, the carriers will have the majority of it. It's it's just like, you know, they're still going to have their licenses, but the thing is, they're going to have limited licenses. I think it's only three years, and I'm going to read through this, so just bear with me, but it's going to be very limited compared to what they had before. So that's why I call it the CBRS and the shift in spectrum ownership, because we're going to have a chance to lightly license the spectrum. I really see this. I look at this as really an opportunity for indoors, mostly for enterprise, people that want to have a dedicated licensed spectrum inside the uh, a building, a large building, and something, it's going to be LTE, it's your radio, and it's something that other carriers can roam on to. That's why I think it's so important to talk about because we all have a shot at getting some of these licenses. Very localized, very regionalized. It's 3.5 gigahertz. It won't travel too far. And we can really do a lot with it because uh, we can probably license multiple channels and do some type of carrier aggregation. In my head, that's what I dream. I hope the OEMs come up with it because I know Nokia has been working really hard at this. So like I said before, 3550 to 3700 megahertz it's in that band 
Citizens Broadband Radio Service, and License Spectrum, but it's split up into a couple areas. Now, there are people already using this. Military Radar, they use it. So if you're on the East Coast, it's used quite a bit there. It could be a limiting issue of you getting your license. And Earth Stations, meaning satellite stations, use it to shoot up to the sky. When I say sky, I mean other satellites up in the sky. You have an Earth Station that shoots a signal up and so on. So with all that said, let's get into it. So just to be clear, the military and the Earth stations don't have to give it up. That won't change. I just want to be clear about that. They're the incumbents. They can do whatever they want with the spectrum they have that's licensed. I mean, as long as it's legal. So that's just it. So there's going to be authorized shared access here in the U.S. That's basically what we're going to call it authorized shared access. Now in Europe, they're working on licensed shared access. That's what they're going to call it. It's ASA here in the States, LSA over in Europe. I don't think Europe concluded anything yet, but here in the States, ASA includes incumbent access, including federal government and satellite providers, which is what I just said, priority access licenses, which are seven 10 megahertz licenses to be awarded to the highest bidders. what I tell you? The FCC, they get their cut. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, you know, they're like the mob out there for Spectrum, you know, they get their cut no matter what. And uh, the PALs, P-A-L, Priority Access Licenses, the PALs will be protected from the GAA users, which I'll get into in a minute. PAL will include commercial users, probably like carriers, rural operators, but they're only three-year licenses with one renewal term allowed at this time. So the max you can really hold on to this Spectrum is six years. Carriers don't like that, by the way. That's a big issue with the carriers. And uh, it's going to be a problem for them. Now, that portion of those licenses, from what I read, is roughly in the 3500 to the 3650 portion of the spectrum. One license can only hold, one licensee can only hold four PAL licenses. So it isn't like uh, AT&T and Verizon, which they got nothing in 600 megahertz, right? But this is something they're interested in, especially for LTE. It isn't like they can get, the, all the spectrum down there because they have the most money. They'll be limited to four PAL licenses is the way I read it. The other thing is there's going to be general access users, GAA, general access users, which I mentioned previously, and they're licensed by rule, which requires the rules to be followed, which will be dedicated to the 3650 to the 3750 megahertz portion of the band. And um, now a PAL may gain additional GAA spectrum. But GAA is going to be the lightly licensed part where you just get it in a specific area. It's like, just like if you guys ever use 3.5 gig for WiMAX, like a lot of utilities did here in the States. That was a big thing. I sold a ton of those systems. Uh, I liked them. I thought they worked great. I mean, they were fixed wireless for the most part. But whoever already has these WiMAX licenses, they get to keep them. That's why a lot of people were scrambling to get it uh, prior to this happening. They wanted to get their licenses and keep it. However, the way the licenses are going to be tracked now, it's going to be done by the Spectrum Allocation System, which uh, is, it looks like it's going to be led by Google and Federated Wireless. Federated Wireless is a group. Oh, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. I just can't think of it, but he's from Sprint. And he started this Federated Wireless, and I think they're going to manage all this spectrum. And they get a fee for it. It isn't like you just apply for free. You actually have to pay for the license. I just want you guys to be aware of that. 
Now, the great news is the hardware vendors are on board. And when I say hardware vendors, I mentioned Nokia before, but SpiderCloud, Ruckus, Ericsson, Samsung, IP.access, and Acceleron. Now, why is that exciting? Because for one, SpiderCloud, uh, you know, they make a lot of small cells. Very exciting that they're in this because they're going to go from licensed spectrum to this lightly licensed spectrum. And they already have a whole strategy. They tested it. Same as Ruckus. Ruckus is the other way. The reason I find them so interesting, they're unlicensed. And now they're going to come out with a lightly licensed product because they can. See, to me, those guys can make a big impact in this with their relationship with the enterprise users. And they have two completely different markets are going at. Spider Cloud, solid enterprise, license spectrum inside the building. They have a niche market, which seems to be working for them. And they're, they're, um, they're approved to be on two carrier systems. And Ruckus, the Wi-Fi vendor, they have a whole other niche, but also enterprise, but also all the Wi-Fi users out there. And they can actually some, you know, they can actually now deploy in the license spectrum. It's very exciting for those two. You also have Nokia and Ericsson, Nokia and Ericsson, Samsung, they build everything, right? I mean, if they didn't build this, we'd be shocked. They have an in with the carriers, all the carriers. So they can get something approved on a carrier system by just throwing it into the old, um, you know, uh, I say fit, you know, the... Um, uh, field integration testing into the labs, into things like that. So they can do all that very quickly, very easy, very efficiently. They have everything set up. Now, Samsung isn't necessarily in every carrier. You know, I think, what are they in Sprint? But they, they, they have the beeline to get in T-Mobile, and they can probably get an AT&T and Verizon if they want to. I mean, they have products with all the vendors, I believe, just not on the scale that Nokia and Ericsson do. And Nokia got in because they bought former Alcatel-Lucent. You know, Alcatel-Lucent was a company they bought. And Alcatel-Lucent was in with Verizon, AT&T, and Sprint. Nokia was in tight with T-Mobile. And now that Nokia took over Alcatel-Lucent, they're in tight with all the major carriers in the U.S., but I digress again. Let's get back to the CBRS. The other two vendors I brought up were IP.access and Acceleron. I, I really don't know much about, about them except that they're small cell vendors. So it's probably pretty exciting for them to have a product that they can move quickly on and get it moving here in the U.S. a little quicker. So for them, I see a, a bigger business plan. But for all these guys, I'm going to be honest with you. They're nipping at the carrier's feet. And what they should be doing, in my opinion, is nipping at the enterprise because now the enterprise can lightly license their own spectrum. They should be going to utilities because utilities are already using this spectrum for WiMAX to get signal out there for meter reading and things like that. They were also using it for connecting their remote offices or remote equipment, almost like an IoT application. But they had enough bandwidth where they could, you know, get you know, a wireless connect, a broadband connection of some type to their offices, to their remote offices, maybe somewhere where somebody doesn't go all the time it was very cost effective. So here's their chance to really do something great. Now, a company that was big into WiMAX was Alvarian, which I think is by the wayside now. But they, they had a lot of this work. Um, there were a couple other companies too. Ruggedcom was one. Ruggedcom did a lot of WiMAX stuff. I believe Ruggedcom will get in this market too, although I have not read anything 
about them doing CBRS yet. And maybe I'm just not reading the right stuff. So if you work for RuggedCom, let me know. Uh, WadeForWireless at gmail.com. Anyway, so I have been continuously explaining how CBRS will become a major player because I really believe it. But what I have today is also Google talked about it. That's right, Google. You know, the company that's bailing on the fiber to the home because <laughs> they realized it's just too expensive. I don't know if that's true. I, I'm putting words there. But it does look like they're not going to do uh, fiber to the home anymore just because uh, the lead guy quit. But I bring it up because if Google's into this, we got a real shot at getting broadband everywhere in an efficient way without the carriers controlling everything. And Tom Ulrich, a good friend of mine, Tom was out at IWCE and he brought back a report about Google. He gave me, you know, talked about the workshop that they had out there. He talked about the presentation Google did. Uh, I have a link to the workshop that Nokia, Ericsson, Ruckus, Google, Wispa, Airspan, Feder Federated Wireless, Comsearch, Telrad, and Cambium Networks were all at. So if you're interested in seeing that, the link's in my blog at wadeforwireless.com. Just scroll down to the blog that says CBRS and a shift in spectrum ownership. But it's interesting because I also read research by ABI Research uh, that they put some links in RCR and Fierce Wireless about CBRS being a neutral solution for small cells in an area. Like it, it could be one or two bands where all the carriers could get on by just adding, and I, I don't know, comparing it to Wi-Fi, an ESSID or adding their ID to it. And that's something that Nokia wants to do with their AirScale products. So now they can sell it to anybody and they can put any carrier on it. So not to be outdone, Acceleron also has a, uh, the CBRS product along with Ruckus. But AirScale is a Nokia product, just to be clear. But it's one of those things that it's very exciting. And uh, I know I mentioned it before, but SpiderCloud does have a product. And SpiderCloud is already reaching out to like some of the DAS venues to see if they can put their product in and build DAS systems for it. So now they don't have to have in a large venue, you wouldn't in theory, you wouldn't necessarily have to have all the carriers come in and put their spectrum on when you could have one neutral host put in a ton of the CBRS spectrum. And then they could act as a neutral host by just having everyone's ID or ESSID or something like that on the spectrum. So could CBRS solve the DAS middleware problem? Could CBRS products fill the void where no one wants to invest those hundred invest in the, the medium 100,000 to 500,000 square feet venues? It's too small for a carrier really to put a full head end in. When I say head end, I mean an E-node B. But it's a little too large to just scatter small cells everywhere. So maybe that would be the venue for this, where they could put in like larger systems on a common neutral host. And I hope so. I hope that is the solution. It's a clean way to hand off two lightly licensed spectrum. And it's going to be LTE, which makes carriers happy. They've had a lot of problems handing off to Wi-Fi. Although it works, they've had problems doing it. They're not real happy with it from what I see. But it I really think this is going to go beyond being just an indoor solution. I think it's going to be part of the fixed wireless solution as well. I know we're looking at 24 gig and, and all the higher stuff, the centimeter wave, the millimeter wave. But I really think 3.5 gig would be ideal if you can get enough spectrum to the home. Look at what people do now with LTE and using their uh, smartphones as a hotspot. 
by connecting or tethering to your phone, you can really do a lot. So why couldn't you do that with 3.5 gig as, as something neutral, something lightly licensed and something from the fiber on the street to the home? That way you don't have to wire up every home. You can just put something in the home wirelessly and bam, you're done. So if you want some references, I have a couple other links in there for CBRS uh, from Think Small Cell, which I'm a big fan of that if you don't get on it, thinksmallcell.com and also from the FCC. Now, what I focused mostly on here was the enterprise play because I see a way for enterprise to really have a solution where they could lightly license something, have dedicated spectrum, and really they could control what carrier comes into their space. No longer do they have to go out and beg a Sprint, a T-Mobile, a Verizon, uh, an AT&T to come into their space just to cover them. And they'll probably say no, right? But it doesn't matter anymore. They can put this spectrum in and hopefully devices will start having this spectrum and they can just start putting it an ID in there for any carrier they want and letting the carrier have a connection through the backhaul. I see the enterprise as having a lot of control here. Indoor wireless has control. If you have the licenses, you lightly license it for a year or two, you have the control. You can do it and you can renew it. Put it in there, get it going. It's going to be exciting. It really is because finally the carriers in theory should be happy. I think they'd be happy because they don't have to build everything now. You can put your own system in and the great thing for you putting this in enterprise owner, building owner, business owner is that you don't have to let all the carriers in. If, if they want to if they if you want someone in there specifically, like a Verizon or an AT&T, whoever, T-Mobile. T-Mobile's hot right now. They just want a crap load of 600 megahertz spectrum. So if you want T-Mobile to be in there, then do it. You know what I'm saying? It's awesome. You can let in whoever you want. You don't have to let everyone in. Will they pay to play? I don't know. That might be pushing it. I don't see Sprint paying anyone. They're too far in debt. <laughs> but, you know... With T-Mobile, I, I, I don't know. They have a ton of spectrum too, but I can see them liking this space. I can see them looking good if they can just add it and put some, and then their devices work in there. So I can see them adding it to their devices, but I'm excited about it. I really do. So now let's talk about what Google said at IWCE because Tom was kind enough to give me a full report from IWCE. And basically... He looked at Google's report about is CBRS ending beachfront spectrum. So I, I, I would take this as a way that they look at the, um, say, all the FCC's auctions where they always say it's beachfront spectrum. And maybe now they're going to devalue themselves a little bit. Of course, we always say that. And they, they always get like $20 billion for an auction. You know, they always seem to make money. Now, this time, the broadcasters got $10 billion of that. At least I hope they do. I hope they get their share of the uh, 600 megahertz money, which they will. The FCC will make sure of it. And as we all know by now, if you don't know, T-Mobile was a big winner. Big winner at 600 megahertz. Comcast got a, a little bit. Sprint didn't bid. Apparently AT&T only got a tiny, teeny, tiny little bit. They didn't want a lot. Verizon didn't bid at all, which is shocking. I can't believe they didn't want some of that spectrum for the rural areas. I just don't get it. But anyway... Again, back to Tom's report. So 
If Tom had to describe his presentation in three words, it would be ecosystem, incentive, innovation. Is the ecosystem of spectrum landscape changing? Will CBRS be the end of the need for beachfront spectrum? It is first important to look closely at the current reality of wireless spectrum. Now remember, these are Tom's words, not mine. Current reality of wireless spectrum. How does the current spectrum landscape preclude innovation? Licensed spectrum is expensive. Past auctions cost the wireless service providers, WSPs, billions to own the right to this FCC licensed spectrum and only come available every three to five years. They also limit the number of participants and winners. Do you have a billion dollars to spend on spectrum for your garage idea of the century? Uh, my note is no. Back to Tom's report. Newly licensed spectrum rollouts are meticulously planned and take forever to plan slash execute. They often force the WSPs to commit to the next technology type before knowing how successfully adopted it will be. Even after the spectrum purchase, look at the billions of dollars that were committed in development and deployment of WiMAX. And you know, just a note, <laughs> WiMAX. I liked WiMAX. It just didn't take off. But anyways, back to Tom's report. I'll start at the beginning. Even after the Spectrum purchase, look at how the many billions of dollars were committed in development, deployment of WiMAX for Intel, Google, and Sprint before changing to the LTE-based solution. Look at how difficult turning off old technology types, analog, IDEN, GSM, UMTS, and CDMA have become. Spectrum is slow to deploy and it can take six to eight years plus six to eight or more years to clear spectrum, raise funding, and establish a product rollout. Look at failed spectrum rollouts like LightSquare, NextWave, etc. Some companies like Dish have even had the forward have even had the forward through the saving spectrum, waiting for the next technology shift or WSP spectrum shortage to capitalize on their dormant wireless portfolio. In today's unlicensed wireless ecosystem, it encourages OEMs to make cheap, lousy radios that do not perform very well with interference present. 802.11 wireless ISP... 802.11 wireless APs are often a cheap commodity that needs to be upgraded and replaced every three to five years. How much innovation can we drive with a $40 access point? This often drives the race to the bottom on who can create the least cost AP. Uh, my note, I've seen that. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> Cheap is easy. You don't even repair it. You just throw it out. Okay, back to Tom's report. How does CBRS set up to change the spectrum landscape and drive innovation? Dr. Marshall stated, Dr. Marshall's the guy at Google, the guy at IWCE that represented Google that gave the speech. Dr. Marshall stated, CBRS will make spectrum buying an economic decision. It incentivizes stakeholders to maximize their ability to deflect interference and operate with radios that can perform in a noisier shared spectrum environment. Dr. Marshall detailed his four-step plan to roll out CBRS. One is regulatory, help get FCC approval, help develop standards within the Wireless Innovation Forum and CBRS Alliance, establish FCC Part 96. Two, coexist, create an ecosystem environment for multiple technologies and stakeholders. Three, recruit top talent and buy-in from the wireless industry. Four, 
Improve, further innovate standards, product solutions, and applications. CBRS threatens a wireless ecosystem that, now, that now will encourage innovation and allows for fast, less expensive rollouts. Why not put a solution in the marketplace and let the markets decide how well it is adopted before committing to extensive field trials and millions of dollars? Dr. Marshall detailed that this spectrum landscape is sustainable to support the additional shared spectrum bands that may hold some of the keys on the business models and landscape of 5G. And that was Tom's report. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for sending that back to me. Now my opinion. I totally agree with that because let's face it, you couldn't do anything wirelessly unless you had billions of dollars to spend on spectrum. And light squared couldn't couldn't survive. And you got to test the technology. You know, I'll use Qualcomm. Flow TV for Qualcomm. Everyone thought it was a great idea. Although, looking back, there were some flaws. But again, it didn't survive. Qualcomm shut down the division, got rid of everything, and they're still trying to get out of some of those leases. I mean, American Tower is really hard to get out of a lease with American Tower. You just can't do it. You're going to just pay for five years. American Tower loves it. They're making money. Look at Nextel. When Sprint tried to shut down Nextel, they can't get out of it. They're stuck. They're just going to let the crap rot on the tower for five years. I'm sorry. I digress. So we've seen how the auctions have played out. We see how the technology took off. And LTE really did take off. They got lucky there. But let's face it. Sprint took a chance with Zone and then Clearwire on WiMAX. And it didn't work. I, I don't know why they shut it down. I thought WiMAX was somewhat successful, but now everyone's shutting down their WiMAX systems. I see the reports. People are just running from it. Everyone's going LTE, which is a common, now it's a common format that everybody's going to use. The equipment's getting cheaper and better, and they are continuing to improve it, which is really awesome. And it looks like it's going to be the foundation for 5G, and they're going to use it for everything moving forward. I know we're looking at 5G standards, but I guarantee it will be some form of uh, LTE at this point. Is that good? I don't know. You know, a form of LTE, which is a, like a QAM, uh, quadrature amplitude modulation. I know uh, back when I was in paging, in paging, that's right, pagers. Remember those? If you're probably 30 or under, you don't. But uh, back when you had pagers, they were actually using a lot of the technology. Now, they called it flex. Uh, and it was very fast, 6,400 bought over-the-air technology, which at the time was pretty amazing. Now it's incredible what they can do with LTE and with the spectrum shift and with MIMO. And I mean, it's just, it blows my mind. But anyway, here's something where the small business can get some spectrum and do what they want to do with it. They can test different things. They can try new things. They can test different over-the-air properties. You don't need to rely on a carrier or spend a fortune on their plan to test anything. You could even, I mean, now a lot of people test on Wi-Fi just because it's cost-effective. Anyway, that's my opinion. My opinion is it's a great thing. I wish the FCC would have had something out there for the small business owner 10 years ago. Think where we would be now. It would be pretty awesome. And I get where Google's coming from. They have that mindset that everything should be open sourced. Look at WordPress now. You can start a WordPress site very cost effectively. You can get on YouTube anytime you want. You can upload files like this, audio files. You can start your own podcast. You can do so much now. It's open. 
And it's open everywhere but over the airwaves because the FCC would not allow it to open over the airwaves. I don't care what they say. They were the ones that prevented it. I'm hoping now with our new commissioner at the FCC, Ajit Pai, who I'm very much a fan of, I think he's going to open a lot of things up. He's going to take the bars off the windows and say, hey, let's try some new things. At least that's my hope. All right. I talked for a long time. I thank you all. Thank you for listening. Thank you for following. I have a Facebook page, Wade for Wireless. I have a LinkedIn page, Wade Sarver. I'm on LinkedIn. Twitter, at Wade for Wireless. Reach out to me. Let me know you're there. Let me know that you're here and that you care about the wireless future in the world. And right here in the U.S., we can do a lot. Thanks, everybody. I appreciate your time. Don't forget, I have the 5G handbook out there for sale. I have the LTE deployment handbook. And I just started con another consulting firm uh, just uh, at techfecta.com, www.techfecta.com. You can email me at wait at techfecta if you're interested. All right, everyone, be smart, be safe. Let's help out the, 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 the services. Let's help out the charities that help out Hurt Climbers, HubbleFoundation.org and TowerFamilyFoundation.org because they do so much for the families of tower climbers that get hurt. Yes, people do die building wireless systems. I just want you to know that. HubbleFoundation.org, TowerFamilyFoundation.org. Let's help the people that help us in the industry. All right, everyone, be smart, be safe, and pay attention. See ya! Mm -hmm.